Melina, how's the uh, whole remote studio thing going? <laughs> I saw some of your pictures on on social. Oh yeah, I saw that. You saw that. Um, yeah, I shared a picture of my um, trying to make my gym <laughs> slash office slash walk in closet soundproof. So that's where I'm sitting at the moment. Well, uh, I gotta say it's uh, it's working pretty good. It sounds great. Does it? Yeah. So bed sheets and towels are working. Yeah, absolutely spot on. From know-how to wow. The Bosch Global Podcast. Welcome, everyone. My name is Jeff Kostaitis. Hey, everybody. My name is Melina Orvet. Melina, how are you doing today? Um, thanks for asking. Uh, pretty good, actually. I cannot complain, I'd say. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that that's what I would call a, uh, quote, typical German answer to the question. <laughs> I can't complain. Yeah, but but it's true. I can't complain either. So fair enough. Don't you feel like the question, how are you, has become a little more difficult to answer in, well, the crazy times that we're living in at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's fair to say. Uh, the corona pandemic certainly has made it more complicated life it made it life in general uh, a little more complicated for sure yeah and personally i'm i'm finding myself asking you know should we really be going through with things that normally we wouldn't even worry about asking you know right can i go to this birthday party for example should i go to work is it safe to go to the grocery store is this a safe distance <laughs> was it just a normal sneeze can my kid go to the playground how do i feel about traveling on a plane What's the risk of chatting to my neighbor? Can I go see my family for Christmas? So, yeah, it really seems as if the question, how are you, got a little more difficult to answer these days. Yeah, yeah, it has. And the pandemic is basically the topic of this episode. And I mean, even when looking at our podcast, um, I mean, at least I can see you in a video call, so mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah. But we'll do the entire recording remotely. Well, not just us. Also with Steph, our editor and producer, sitting alone, unfortunately, in the podcast <laughs> studio. So again, remotely. Hi, Steph. Hi, Steph. Hello, Melina. Hello, Jeff. <laughs> This is the podcast studio calling. I'm so happy to hear you guys. So in this episode, we're looking at how cutting-edge technology helps to cope with the pandemic. Namely, by providing fast test results. Because especially testing has been a bottleneck. Waiting three, four, five days for test results can be very annoying. And in some situations, of course, it's also just impractical. So with that said, let me introduce you to Vivalytic. Vivalytic is a universal platform for molecular diagnostics, which enables various laboratory tests to be performed fully automated at the point of need. That's Martin Schultz of Bosch Healthcare Solutions. He's responsible for the product, Vivalytic. It's a tabletop device, probably the size of a small tower PC. So imagine, if you will, a small, sleek, shiny black device with a built-in screen. Let's have a look at the Bosch tutorial on YouTube. Could you test one more sample? Sure, won't take long. Uh, so to 
to describe Vivalotic and the device itself a little further, um, it has a slot at the front, but not for old-fashioned floppy disks. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, in that slot goes something just a little bit more high-tech than your old-school floppies. It's <laughs> called a lab on a chip. By the way, we provide the link to this video in the show notes, of course. And we'll talk some more to our Bosch colleague, Martin Schultz. He'll tell us all about that. Let's just say that that slot where you put in the sample that you collected from a patient. Mm, the sample, yeah. So the nasal swab. For example. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I learned that uh, our Bosch experts, they prefer to call them the nasopharyngeal or oropharyngeal swabs. Oh, a mouthful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but let, let's actually go to one of those points of needs that Martin Schultz mentioned, where swabs are collected and where you want to analyze them. A hospital. Mm, right. We talked to Carolyn Graf, a hospital hygienist at Paracelsus Clinics in Germany. I can clearly remember our very first COVID patient we diagnosed. You can imagine at the beginning where it started, we really tested every patient with cold symptoms because no one knew exactly where the journey was going. And, of course, we didn't really know which symptoms were really pathognomonic. Then we actually had a whole series of tests at the beginning that turned out negative. I was asked very often, do you think the device really measures reliably? And I just kept saying, yes, I looked at the process. I looked at the methodology. I know which quality controls the device and I trust the results. And then the day actually came when we had the first positive corona test result with the device. And that was also a patient for whom it was very, very important that we get the result very quickly. That was an elderly gentleman whose state of health was not very good. And we were able to quickly comply with the measures and, to be honest, as paradoxical as that sounds, there was a bit of the aha effect among the employees. Like, okay, the device is also able to correctly display positive results. Just like Carolyn, her entire team knows that they can trust Vivalytics results. It's as accurate as lab tests. Just easier. In the end, you really only have to pipette the patient's sample into a test cartridge, scan a barcode, and everything else runs fully automatically. I still remember when we had the briefing here in the clinic. That worked just fine. In corona times, people cannot be sent to people everywhere to instruct them. It was also done via a conference call with a video connection. And that was such a real aha experience for us and the employees of the intensive care unit also. It is demonstrated once, then you can ultimately do it yourself, so that the employees were basically familiar with the technology from the start and can now do it independently. In the meantime, the devices are also connected to our IT. If there are updates... If there are new tests, if something changes, then it can simply be uploaded to the devices via the Internet without service staff having to come on site. So that saves valuable time. And this is especially true in the day-to-day -day use of Vivalytic. 
It's a much faster way for them to know if a patient is SARS-CoV-2 positive. And if that's the case, they gain potentially life-saving time for treatment. In early spring, when the pandemic just started and they didn't have Vivalytic, they had to deal with the friction in the traditional lab system. We ended up having to send our samples to an external laboratory. We don't have our own laboratory in-house, and I think very few hospitals have such a test device in-house. So of course you often have the problem that there are bottlenecks in the laboratories and that you have to wait between one and three days for a test result. It is, of course, not at all practical for everyday clinical practice, because patients who are suspected of having an infection have to be laboriously isolated. Complex personal protective equipment is required for the staff. When the staff goes into the room, they have to dress very costly and undress again accordingly, so the effort with the suspects is immense. Plus, Vivalytic also makes it possible to test quickly the hospital staff. This prevents staffing shortages in case people were potentially exposed and otherwise had to wait for a test result for days. And, well, it's so good to know how time is of the essence in Caroline's work and how faster tests can really make an impact on how the clinic operates. Um, so should we take a look at how Vivalytic works? Let's go into detail. Yeah. I asked Martin Schultz to give me a short version of that introductory webinar that Carolyn and her coworkers went through. Ah, cool. Usually when you arrive at your doctor's office or in the hospital, a throat swab is taken. That swab is then transferred into a transport medium, which is uh, up to a milliliter or two milliliters of a transport medium, which has two functions. One is to... Um, release the cells from that swab. And the second one is to inactivate the virus and make it less dangerous for handling afterwards. A defined volume of that transport medium is then pipetted into the cartridge. The cartridge is closed and scanned at the instrument so that it recognizes what cartridge is being used and what test is about to be run. And then the cartridge is entered into the instrument. And from there on, you just have to wait for a defined period of time um, until the result is shown on the screen. Um, can you talk more about those cartridges? Well, they're about the size of a smartphone, and they contain all the raw materials, if you will, to do the testing. So, for example, all the different compounds and regions that Vivalytic needs to analyze a sample. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but how, how exactly does it do that? How does it find especially the coronavirus then in the, in the sample? Where does the magic happen inside the Vivalytic device? <laughs> well, it's it's actually pretty similar to what happens in a real lab. Oh, okay. It's just fully automated and on a much smaller scale. But the biology is really the same. In short, it looks for a genetic signature of the virus, and the long version goes like this. The first step on the cartridge is to prepare the sample, which is to open the cells. You do this with a biochemical reaction or by ultrasound, for example. And then you obtain the RNA and DNA, which was previously in that cell. In the next step, you perform the purification of the nucleic acids, meaning you get rid of all the parts of that sample that you don't need for further analysis and try to keep only the relevant DNA and RNA information. The third step is the amplification, which is a polymerase chain reaction, where through temperature cycling and some 
biochemical processes, you amplify the amount of RNA and DNA until it becomes detectable uh, through an optical system, either on a microarray or through a fluorescent signal. Wow, that sounds like, like a fully functional lab. So cool. Uh, what, what's a microarray, though? It's basically a DNA test. Imagine a black surface on your desk. And on that surface, you've placed some specific DNA strands in certain spots. When a complementary DNA strand is present, it bonds to the first one on the surface. And that makes a spot on your otherwise dark surface change color and basically turn white. Oh, okay. So that reminds me of an allergy test where they put allergenes on your arm and then check which spots show an allergic reaction. It's a little bit like that, yes. Depending on what spot reacts, you can determine what allergen, or in this case, pathogen, you're dealing with. Okay. From this, you can say, what is the type of pathogen that you identified? What are the uh, characteristics of this pathogens? Is it resistance to a certain type of medication, for example, or this type of information? So microarrays are really great for that, especially if you're looking to gain a lot of information from just one sample. Got it. If I could distinguish between different infections this way, that means Vivalytic can tell me when I have a cough or when I'm sneezing, is it the flu? Is it just a common cold or is it COVID? Or maybe even something entirely different, right? Yes, that's exactly what the test does. And there's another test that works a little differently and only detects whether a sample contains the novel coronavirus or not. Mm -hmm. But it's faster and you get your results after 39 minutes. As Carolyn Graf, the doctor also mentioned before, 39 minutes, that's way faster than shipping the sample to a lab and waiting for them to process it. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's 39 minutes maximum. Cool. In this case, for the real-time PCR, we use a different amplification and detection technology where we detect the fluorescent signal while the amplification is still running, especially if you have a sample with a high viral load. That is possible, so you don't have to wait the whole 39 minutes, but maybe only 29 or 25 minutes for a result. So from the technology perspective in Vivalytic, that means that the software inside inside the instrument itself, is intelligent enough to decide this is strong enough evidence and I can call a positive result. And I can fully understand why Carolyn was so excited by Vivalytic. It's fantastic. We heard about Bosch in the media. The management of the clinic decided very quickly to purchase these devices. And we were lucky. It worked out that we initially received eight of them. So I can really see now how it not only makes a difference in hospitals. I mean, with this speed, you could use it in other places too. Say nursing homes where you want to make sure that staff don't carry the virus. Maybe it could also allow visitors to come in again when without tests, care facilities like that were on lockdown. Or imagine school or kindergarten. There are so many use cases that I can think of right now. That's right. As one doctor at a Bosch plant, put it very well, that's literally invented for life. The Bosch slogan. Right. However, there's a caveat. Vivalytic is brand new technology. Before they even knew of the coronavirus, the team around Martin Schultz expected a much slower rollout. The demand appears to be endless in the current pandemic. So we decided to increase our production volumes this year by 500%. And that is a challenge on its own. 
For sure, it is a challenge. Yeah. And they use a lot of know-how from different departments around Bosch to scale up the production, which is something Bosch specializes in. But don't expect to see Vivalytic in every hospital and every doctor's office just yet. You know, they've been working on this for 15 years on the development mm. of the product, and they really just launched it at the beginning of 2020. So it's really pure coincidence that the pandemic hit at the same time and we were ready. Hmm. I mean, it seems like they were prepared. At least Vivalytic can detect the virus. Well, they developed the test specifically for it. That was just six weeks and they brought it to market. Oh, wow. Okay. But that must be record time then. But uh, kind of begs the question for me, what was Vivalytic originally developed for? What else can it do aside from detecting COVID? Those, Milena, are perfect questions for the second part of our episode. <laughs> but enough about that. Let's leave the coronavirus behind and think about the future a bit, where we no longer have to worry about it. Mm, yeah, I mean, personally, I'm not sure if it will ever be as it was before. Um, and honestly, I mean, I, I kind of got used to wearing face masks when using public transport, for example, or entering a supermarket. <laughs> yeah, okay. me too. But yeah, I mean, of course, you're right. Visiting friends and family for celebrating birthdays, things like that, that would be nice. Definitely miss that. Yeah, me too. Mm. As we're still going to talk about diseases, though, Vivalytic can detect not only all kinds of viruses, but also bacterial infections or even fungi. Let's have a closer look at the technology. Uh, it's it's at the concept of the lab on a chip. What's the idea behind that? Well, first first things first, the lab. If you try to find pathogens using a typical laboratory process, what does that process really look like? In the lab, you would use a lot of different instruments, of course, a lot of disposables. And you usually have to do this in separate rooms to keep the processes separated from each other, especially those that you do before the amplification and after the amplification to avoid any impact of uh, previous tests on the following tests through contamination. This process is basically miniaturized. The lab is put on a chip. That's not a computer chip made out of silicon, but a biological chip made out of plastic. In a computer chip, you have electrons moving around to execute mathematical algorithms. Mm -hmm. In the lab on a chip, you have liquids moving around according to a certain protocol. So when you say, when you're talking about a chip, so that's a cartridge that we talked about earlier. That's right. What you okay. mentioned as not a floppy disk. Okay. Everything is happening on the cartridge. <laughs> okay, got it. The Vivalytic cartridge is a closed system. So once you have entered the sample, you close the lid on the cartridge, and then it is fully sealed from the outside world. The instrument never comes into contact with any of the reagents or the sample inside of the cartridge during processing. So there is no risk of contamination between two test runs, for example. And also there is no risk of contamination between different process steps because all of them are fully automatically executed on the cartridge in the microfluidic systems. So just to make another great comparison, unlike computer viruses, these don't spread through the entire system. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> or as Martin Schultz puts it, on the cartridge, there's Vegas rules. What happens on the cartridge stays on the cartridge. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> they should make that their marketing claim. What happens on the cartridge stays on the cartridge. <laughs> okay, so everything happens inside that little capsule. What does the Vivalytic device do then? That basically operates as the lab technician. The way it works is the cartridge tells the device what the test is made for. 
And then the software on the device runs the specific test protocol. The cartridge is like a fluidic microprocessor, which can be programmed to do certain things. It has pumps, it contains valves, and many other functional elements. And the instrument has everything on the outside to actuate those elements on the cartridge. It has a camera system to detect the optical systems. It has heating and cooling systems to create the right conditions on the cartridge for the biochemical reactions that are required, but it also consists of the, uh, for example, the ultrasonic horn, which we use to break open the cells during the sample preparation step. So the device manipulates from the outside what's going on inside the miniature Mm -hmm. lab. I do have another quick question to what Martin just said. Um, I noticed that he said it's a fluidic microprocessor, And if I remember correctly, earlier he said it's a microfluidic system. So micro, that means we're talking about micrometers and everything happens on a tiny scale? Uh, Micrometers, yes. Uh, But since we're dealing with liquids or fluids, it's actually microliters. Mm -hmm. Okay. So looking at the microfluidic parts of the cartridge, uh, we handle liquid volumes at around 20 microliters or less. And we have to handle them with very high accuracy. Okay, wait. Um, that would be 20 millionth of a liter, correct? So how much? <laughs> yeah. Can I? Can I even? Can I still see that? Yeah. Altogether, it's a. It's about the size of a small raindrop. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Please continue that. How do you accurately control a raindrop, Jeff? Well, Martin says that during the development process, the team learned a lot about a the ways not to do it. But of course, they eventually figured it out. Basically, what we do is we laser weld a flexible membrane between two plastic molded components. And those plastic molded components have different structures in them to either lead through channels vacuum or pressure to actuate this flexible membrane in those areas where structures are present. And then on the other side of the structure, we have the fluidic network where those little plugs of liquid are. And if you, if you think about it, if you press via overpressure this little flexible membrane against the fluidic network in one of those channels, you can close a channel. And if you relieve the pressure, you can open it back again. It's like a little balloon that you press against mm. the plastic. Okay. And if you have a chamber, for example, holding a small liquid plug, you could do the same thing. You can move this plug in or out of a chamber by either pushing it out or sucking it back in. Mm-hmm. I guess it's it's a little bit like a lab technician. Indeed, moving the test sample from one room to another, only that the rooms and hallways are just a few micrometers wide. That's right. But they have an unexpected advantage over a human-scale lab. Uh, Martin was saying that they weren't aware of it in the beginning, but when they realized it, it's a giant breakthrough moment for the development of Vivalytic. They thought they would have to deal with some of the same limitations that you would in an actual lab. For example, how fast you can do an amplification, and then uh, showing that those limitations that usually are present with current lab equipment can be eliminated on the cartridge, for example, really fast temperature cycling by just heating and cooling small liquid plugs of 20 microliters instead of having a big heating and cooling block uh, with bigger disposables. And that's lab-on-a-chip technology for you. Yeah, 
that definitely sounds like an advantage. Pretty fascinating. Really cool. That's it. Just fascinating. Really cool. Mm-hmm. No wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Ah, well, pretty close. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, there is one more thing. We designed Vivalytic as an open platform. We support many different technologies for sample preparation, amplification, and detection. We also created a tool set for developers of molecular assays and tests that can help them to easily integrate their test onto the Vivalutic cartridge in the future. With this, we provide tools that are very similar to the development tools that are provided for development of apps for smartphones, for examples. So wait, they they created a tool set? So if I, if I knew a little more about biomedicine, I could develop my own test and then Bosch would distribute it as a Vivalutic cartridge? Correct. And there could probably be almost as many different types of Vivalutic cartridges as there are apps on the app stores. Martin says that he can't even imagine all the different analysis that could run on Vivalytic. Huh. But he knows that it won't be limited to infectious diseases and pathogens. In the future, Vivalytic can also be used, for example, in the area of cancer treatments or cancer therapy and cancer detection and many, many other applications. It all depends on what the developer community comes up with. That is super fascinating. So it's, it's such a smart move to make it as open and, and versatile as possible. Yeah, and and with that, certainly Vivalytic can have an enormous impact on the healthcare sector. All right. Yeah. Do you know what I find most amazing about this? It, the serendipity of it all. It, it's been 15 years of development, and just as they're as they're coming into fruition, mm-hmm. this pandemic starts. Yeah. So right from the start of it, right from release, there are very real urgent problems, like making COVID treatment a little better that we can help with. This must feel so incredibly good. I mean, as you said, just look at the timing. Wow. The unfortunate part of the timing, though, the fact that we weren't able to see and talk to our wonderful producer, Steph, in person. Steph, you're still there? Yes, of course. Are you wowed? (laughs) Overwowed. Is this an English word? That's great. (laughs) Overwowed? We we should make it. So from my side, what I find uh, most fascinating and most promising is how they've structured Vivalytic as a platform. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. we've, seen, we've, we've seen that, that platform concepts are becoming a basic strategic approach for all the big players in all sorts of industries. Mm-hmm. And for us to have control of that platform and then offer it to the developer community is going to be extremely powerful. Yeah, I think, absolutely. I think the, the size of the device itself makes it very accessible to areas that, you know, developing developing markets, developing nations, for example, where, yeah, they, they often don't have the material wealth uh, to contribute to the healthcare sector, but they certainly have the, the intellectual capital to develop these things and really make a big impact there. Mm-hmm. So I think the platform approach is, uh, is going to be a big winner here. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. I mean, it's also so cool to hear what people like Caroline Graf are, are saying about it. It's it's great to listen to yeah. people who... Yeah, you read my mind there. Who, who, yeah, who already tried it, who experienced it, and who can now really tell us about what great and positive impact it had on her daily business, pretty much, in a hospital. That's yeah, very it's, cool. it's very Can gratifying you? 
very gratifying yeah. to hear that because, you know, we, we harp on the uh, invented for life thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you hear Carolyn talk about it, you know that that's really, that is really the case, yeah, which is, is very gratifying. From know-how to wow. The Bosch Global Podcast. So thanks for listening. And don't hesitate to check our show notes for future information or further information, such as videos. And you'll also find the links to our previous episodes. And of course, we also appreciate very much if you give us a like or comment, or if you mail us to contact at Bosch.de. If you have any further questions about our topic, about us, about Bosch, just write us. See you next time, where we will talk about fuel cells in general and SOFC in particular. Stay healthy, everyone. And please wear your masks. Bye. (laughs) Bye, guys.